Welcome again to another episode of Passports and Poets, conversations about the power of place, the places that change us, and why it matters. I am Dr. Chick Morgan, the Cowgirl PhD, a co-host of this wonderful podcast, and I'm here with the co-host Rodney Bursile, the photographer-in-chief. Yay, and gallery owner of the spectacular new Rodney Bursile at Base Camp Gallery here in Wimberley. So tell us a little bit about the gallery first, and then we're going to dive into um, into our wonderful interview today. We have a special guest, and you know this gallery, Rodney. It's just become something really it's, it's extraordinary. Become, it's become a thing. Yeah, a it big was. Thing. Um, you know, it was one of those conversations of always wanting to do it, but you know, you you never actually do it. Um, somehow we actually did and, this. Until you get a global pandemic, <laughs> yeah. and then you've got yeah. nothing but time <laughs> to so, do it. But yeah, it was originally um, just meant to be, or I guess I shouldn't say it, but it's, um, you know, the it was going to be the gallery, and that was the, the main focus, but now it's, you know, it's the wine bar and music venue. Oh, and, and the conviviality of hangout. Wimber- yeah, and, it's yeah, just it's a just, great hangout place. It's and it, become, yeah, just the place to go and... And to see, first of all, your spectacular photographs of these wonderful trips you've taken um, with our guests that we're going to be talking about on some of them. So if you're ever in the Wimberley, Texas area, where we broadcast from, and both of us are very fortunate to live in the beautiful Texas Hill Country, I think you can ask anybody in town where Base Camp Gallery is, and they'll know. It's, I, I it's think, only been I a few months. I think everybody does know now. So. <laughs> and uh, get, your, get your wonderful Base Camp t-shirt and look at the extraordinary things from around the world. But most of all, the, the photography is just mm-hmm. spectacular. It's a great setting. Oh, and did we mention great wine? I think we did. And craft beers from our local Middleton's Brewery. And and, and we've actually got some big news coming up, but I can't say yet. Oh, but it's, what a it's, tease. It's, what a, uh, I don't even yeah. know it. Oh, that's uh, not no, fair. No, you don't. Yeah. Oh. Nobody knows. Oh, well, okay. Well, <laughs> I guess I want to be at least the third or fourth person to know. I don't have to be the first. <laughs> well, I want to welcome today, uh, our guest is James Mosquito. And um, we were fortunate enough to have him. We were on episode 15. So if you all did not get a chance to hear this fabulous story about a a, a legendary now whale rescue that James was involved, please go on our website, uh, passportsandpoets.com, and look for episode 15, and you're going to hear an amazing story. And if you don't listen to it, you'll be totally lost on this one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, should we review? (laughs) Okay, we're going to give everybody mm, 45, 50 minutes. Go listen to that episode and then tune in again. But today, um, Rodney, you just returned about a week ago from being with James on a very uh, different kind of expedition from what James does with the whales. Um, What kind of a trip did you all have? And then I'm going to let you take it with James and get started with sharks yeah we uh well i I got back from africa a week prior after being there for three weeks and i was home for five days and then flew down to san diego to meet up with james and the crew and we drove down to ensenada and got on a bus and uh or got on a bus from san diego down to ensenada got on the boat and it's about a 18 hour crossing in the pacific oh, to a little okay. island called that yeah far. yeah it's wow. guadalupe island out in the middle of nowhere and mm-hmm. uh, yeah to go swim with great white sharks 
Well, James, we want to welcome you. Can you say hi to our listeners and um, yeah. just t- tell us where you're sitting and a little bit about uh, what you've been doing with sharks? Yeah, hi. Uh, thanks for having me again. Love this. Yeah, our, um, our, first, our first repeat. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Now, I'm here in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area uh, at my home office, just hanging out today. Um Getting ready to move out for tomorrow, going to the coast and going to do some photography on the coast. Um, land-based stuff this time. But, uh, land yeah, sharks? looking forward to... Yeah. Yes. <laughs> land, yeah. Sorry, couldn't yeah, resist. I, I'm, I'm too old to not sharks, resist that. You never know. <laughs> you, know you never know. We never know what pops up in the wildlife mm-hmm. photography. Just whatever comes out. So, looking well, forward to telling you about uh, Guadalupe. Yeah. So, where would you like to start with this, uh, Rodney? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I've I've known James now for what five years, and oh, yeah, yeah, it, okay, maybe At longer. Least. But we went through no, the same well, conversation it, last time. You, you so, guys have got to get your story straight. Uh, I, I don't remember yesterday. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was. Uh, this was, and and I, and I still can't remember this either. Was it was it Guadalupe or um, Socorro's first? Uh, you we, went out with us. It um, was Socorro. To you, we were on the board uh, boat together to Socorro. Yeah, I that's think where you we were already on uh, with the company to Guadalupe the year before, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we actually met in the Socorros, which was I think 2015. Well, right? my no, my first my first shark trip was with you too. So okay, okay. So, so what but, prompted, yeah, so, what prompted you to so, go on a shark trip? I and how it, did you find James? Well, it was, um, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm, as we talked about on previous episodes, but, uh, you know, my dad taught scuba and when he retired, we all got out of the business and I hadn't been diving in 20 plus years. And my whole adventures of getting back in was inadvertently through my surf photography with Donovan, you know, which started with music. Donovan. Frankenreiter, mm-hmm. who does our stuff. Who does our show. But, um. Yeah, I started doing surf photography with him, so I was started getting all my underwater gear back, and I was like, "Well, hell, I've got all this, so why not get back into scuba?" So I started just asking around and poking around on Facebook, and James was the one that kept popping up over and over. So I contacted him, and I guess we can go back and research and figure out if it was Socorro or Guadalupe, but they were they were pretty much back to back. I think those were the the first two trips that I did. I just don't remember which order. And, um, yeah, that's where we met and we have since done, you know, you know, we've done Socorro, we've done Guadalupe a number of times. We've done Isla Mujeres for the, um, whale sharks, and we've got a bunch of other big adventures coming up together. But. So James, what kind of shark trips do you offer? Is it uh, a single I kind do, of I do, I <clears> do <throat> basically, I specialize for the last 20 something years in big animals, primarily great whites. The last 20 years, I've been leading trips for Great Whites here in California at the Fairlands and Mexico to Guadalupe, but also do bull sharks and tigers and hammerheads and great hammerheads and schooling hammerheads and whale sharks. But basically, you know, the big five, the great whites, the tigers, the bulls, the hammerheads and the whale sharks. But um, and then also, you know, humpback whales and giant mantis. So big. I like I like big animals. Um, and. Uh, so I, I just uh, enjoy leading these trips with these giant animals that are just awesome. Yeah, I think that's why I found you because yeah, growing up I was doing 
reef diving and got tired of the aquarium feel of diving and yeah i want i wanted the big stuff so and yeah that's yeah that's that's james's department so reef diving is great i did some awesome diving two years ago um uh at one of the most spectacular undived reefs in the world in solomon islands and I got bored on the second day because I was like, well, there's, there's Nemo. And I went back in the water the second day, like, Hey, there's Nemo again. And you know, on the third day there was, Oh, there's Nemo again. So uh, I wanted something. I wanted to get my blood flowing and have something big experience, you know, that I, that I love. What was that first experience like for you, Rodney? He talks about getting your blood flowing. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's funny when you, when you say that and it's my, my, where I go with it is, you know, the, of course, the the first time you do it, you're you're a little nervous because you don't know you you, you don't know what it's going to be like. You nervous. don't you don't know what the experience is, but you know there is. Are you this, talking about sharks? It, it, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what we're talking about. That, that's the next podcast. So, but it's yeah. You I mean you do have this you know this safety. Obviously, you know you're not free diving with them, so you do have this safety factor, but. When you're when you're in the cage at Guadalupe, it's it's 300 feet, so it's you know it just it's dark water, and the times for me that were the most you know uncomfortable is when there was nothing around, because you're just mm-hmm. in the cage and you're looking and it's just dark and you're going where are they where are they where are they, and then the second they show up, I actually had this sense of calm where I just because mm-hmm. you're so in thralled with these things this giant you know fish with these you know it was yeah it just it's a very for me it's a very calming experience and i i'm i don't know if you had me hooked up i probably would my heart probably would be going a million (laughs) miles an hour but mentally it was just there's there's nothing else going on in your brain just all you're just so focused on these giant sharks swimming around you so so james how does one get started in a shark business, uh, shark diving business. You just wake up one day and go, oh, that sounds like fun. I think I'll buy a bunch of cages and take people out to see sharks. I mean, I'm really curious about how that all began. I always loved, uh, at an early age, I was able to get into the water. And um, and then just being in the water, I wanted to see other animals. And then, you know, everybody's all like, says, you know, well, Jaws was such a bad movie. Hmm. But Jaws, Jaws was the movie that said, "Oh, I want to go in the water and see that." Hmm. Um, you know, Jaws was had not a negative effect on me. It was, you know, it was an entertainment movie. Um, some people feel differently, but to me, it was. Uh, some people feel it was a documentary, but for me, it was yeah. an entertainment movie, and I wanted to go see an animal like that uh, for myself. Um, and just. Uh, so, you know, I started small. Uh, I started with smaller sharks um, here locally in California. But uh, leopard one sharks. of the things, <laughs> yeah, 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 leopard sharks and, you know, other stuff, blue sharks and makos. But um, growing up here in San Francisco Bay Area, you always knew about the Fairlawns. You know, Fairlawns was the, uh, the home of the great white. And, you know, we heard stories of these big animals. So, um that was just always a goal. What what are the Fairmonts? Uh, Fairlawns. Yeah, the the, Fair, the Fairlawn Islands is a group of islands oh, uh, oh, off oh. the coast of San Francisco <laughs> that nobody knows about. Clearly. Because uh, <laughs> um, you know, they're part of they're part of San Francisco. It's practically part of the city of San Francisco. 
but um, they're 30 miles offshore. On most days, you can't see them. On clear days in the fall, they come into view, and they're just uh, and they're tiny little islands. I mean, you, you know, a mile by a mile and a half by half a mile, and uh, there's five islands out there. One of them's named after me, the Isle of St. James. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's just a, a very wild place. You go out and visit the islands, um, and you, you never know what you're going to have. Um, it's just, uh, they're just giant, giant sharks out there. And um, to see a shark like that in the wild is really what gets you going. Is there a season um, there for them? Yeah, the season's like right now. Uh, typically on a normal year, I would be starting my season today. Um, uh, right now, I postponed my season, uh, my, my going out to the Fairlands um, for this year. I hope to be back next year, but typically it would be I would be starting today and ending the Sunday before Thanksgiving in November. So six weeks straight of solid mm-hmm. uh, shark. It's my it's my six week shark week. Every day hmm. is out there going out sharking. So and, it's um, very similar to Guadalupe, then. Yeah. So yeah, you, same so, season. So totally different sharks. They're not they're not moving. Or right. Have right. there ever so, been any the same the sighting of the same sharks at the two locations? There has not been documented sighting. There has been uh, two sharks. One tagged at the Fairlands that has acoustically been received. At Guadalupe, and then one shark uh, acoustically tagged and then um, picked up at the Fairlands, but it hasn't been uh, documented by photographs or uh, a sighting. And the photograph would be the solid evidence that we need. Because mm-hmm. um, even though most of that data is accurate, uh, there are false, false pings, these acoustic uh, receivers and tags just literally just click in the water so to get a, a false reading is uh, not uncommon yeah so how did you so, move yeah. up you said you started with smaller sharks so how do you how do you move up to well you know farms? you start start you start, start, <laughs> you start with nurse sharks you know something tame and easy and then you know you move up to uh, you know bull sharks and um, you know I, I was in Florida uh, getting my dive instructors and um, you know, diving over there and guiding people and seeing their sharks, and then we we go out in certain places and go see the great hammerheads, and then the bull sharks, and then um, and then the tigers, and then I came back to California, and I met uh, um, a friend of mine who wanted to start shark diving uh, at the Fairlands, um, so we. Uh, um, Use our pulled our resources and started Great White Adventures. Um, Got a bigger boat. Shark Diving, Shark Diving International, <laughs> and, and a bigger boat, and uh, started going Great Whites, and then went mm. from the Fairlands to Guadalupe, um, and then you know, when Guadalupe is the best place in the world to see a Great well, White. Tell us, tell us the story that you told me about. Yeah, because I didn't realize that you were pretty much a pioneer in Great Whites at Guadalupe you know, bringing that to the, to the forefront. Yeah. So, um, Lawrence started great white adventures in 98. Uh, I joined him shortly after and we were, uh, cage diving at the Fairlands and having a great time. And then, uh, 
one of the customers coming out of the cage. He goes, you know, that was great. That shark was awesome. You guys need to check out Guadalupe Island. You know, I was there last week, tuna fishing, and we couldn't keep the tuna because the sharks kept on eating it. And we, all we were catching were heads. And we're all like, mm. oh, that's mm. cool. Mm. And then, we, you know, and then he left and we turned and looked at each other. So like, where's Guadalupe? <laughs> <laughs> so um, we uh, looked at a map, saw it was in Southern California, uh, devised a scheme to get out there. And um, at the time, we only had a two-man cage. So, and this is how you, uh, this is why sometimes you need a lawyer, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh so you uh you should when you have people come on board you have to have sign uh non-competitive agreements so uh the start of guadalupe was very interesting so me and lawrence were part of great white adventures at that time in shark dive international uh we had a two-man cage we wanted to go to guadalupe which required a bigger boat so we we hired the horizon uh boats um, we only had a two man cage, so we needed more under the cage. Instead of building one, we decided to rent one. So we went to Doc Ains of San Diego Shark Diving and asked him to, uh, rent us his cage. And he said, great. Yeah. I'll rent you my cage, but I go with you. And at the time, um, one of our top sales guys who were selling for us was Incredible Adventures, which is also known as Shark Diver. So this is the history of Guadalupe. Uh, in 2001, we all went out there and um, had a great time. They, uh, I wasn't on the trip, but they had a great time. They had uh, a shark uh, at the boat within minutes of showing up and sharks around the boat, just like always happens um, at Guadalupe. Sharks are there all the time. And everybody decided that they're going to run great white shark trips. So there was us. Uh, Great White Adventures, Shark Dive International. There was Horizon. We're doing their own trips in 2002. Uh, Doc Ains started a new company. Uh, started shark, San Diego Shark Diving for Guadalupe. And um, at the time, Shark Diver uh, started again and running their own trips. Bringing, so there were from zero companies to the following year, four shark diving companies running the Guadalupe. And the, the, and, very, the very next year. The very next year, wow. yes. So everybody, everybody knew that everybody's going to that this is the best place in the world. We all knew that it was the best place in the world. It was easy access. It was close to the people who were who would uh, do this kind of activity, and um, we knew that you know if if we if anybody went, it would be we were, we were going to be making money and staying very busy, which we did. Um, so can anybody, do you take anybody that wants to go shark diving? Do you take them or do they have to meet some qualifications you, or a sanity test? Or, yeah. <laughs> uh, you got to be kind of a little crazy, but um, no, anybody can go. Guadalupe is one of those places where it's, we make the sharks very accessible. Uh, we've had kids as young as 10 years old. Um, mm. And we had a gentleman who was 98. Mm. Uh, I've ha I've taken people who've been, um, paralyzed. Uh, I've taken people who've been, um, legally blind. Uh, they, they had to get the shark very close to them to see it. Hmm. Um, you do not need to be dive certified. You just gotta be, you gotta be, you gotta be comfortable in the water and, uh, we can help you with that. But, um, it's just, uh. 
it's an easy trip. We can easily do and take anybody. Um, Have you had any yeah. close calls or situations that kind of gave you that oh feeling, either for yourself or <laughs> some of your clients? You know, there's been a, there's been a few times. Um, the cages have been redesigned for uh, 2021 uh, because of uh, uh, 2019 uh, incidents that mm. happened on two different two different vessels, mm. uh, where the shark um, uh, accidentally hit the cage. Um, you can see on some of these videos where the shark's ac- eyes are actually rolled back into its head, protecting its eyes. Mm. And the shark hit the cage, and uh, it's an unfortunate uh, incident. Um, where the, sh- the shark, uh, one shark got caught in the cage and one shark broke the bars. So, mm. um, mm. the cages got upgraded and, um, we, every, everybody's following the protocol that we've been doing for years mm. where we have, uh, uh, the baits at, a, at more of a distance now, but they're still many, come very close. How many people would you say that you all have taken out over the years? Uh, I personally led close to, I think, last number, somewhere between, between 800 and 850 expeditions. Wow. Out there? Um, not to go out to overall, <laughs> Fairmont's and Rodney says, it's I like, haven't been on that what? many. Where I've, only, I've only been on five. You were only <laughs> invited on five, Rodney. Yeah, no, I've, I've been to Guadalupe probably four times. Well, we, so, so since 2002, we have been running 20 trips to 40 trips per year. Mm. Um, and now there are, there are nine vessels. Well, okay. So pre COVID, pre COVID 2019, there were eight vessels running 20 trips a piece, wow. uh, taking on the average 20 customers each. Oh goodness. So that's a lot of people and people travel from all over the world, uh, all over the world. Mm. Uh, to come see these animals so it's um it's a great experience for them they get to learn a lot uh but me personally i've probably taken out close to i don't know 800 times yeah. 20 16 you know so it's a, it's a pretty big number um what's, introducing people what's a typical impact on just the average person that goes out there do they i, I mean i would here's my projection so tell me if i'm dead wrong but Seems like it would have a very significant impact on the education around sharks and conservation and things like that. Um, do you see people get the fever and and go out oh, and yeah. try to do some stuff? Absolutely. Uh, some of uh, some of the biggest nonprofits that you see: Shark Angels, hmm. uh, Shark Safe, Shark Shark Free Marina, are from past clients. Mm. who just got so excited about sharks mm. that had to stop what they're doing, reinvent themselves to become shark advocates at a professional level. Mm. Yeah. Uh, for, for most people, I uh, just on this last trip, we had Alan. Alan, uh, a great friend of mine, um, was actually terrified of sharks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My kind of guy. Okay. And his... His wife Jackie just loves sharks, mm. so this is what something that she wanted them to do as a couple was mm. do these experiences. And he sharks is like, romance. Oh, no. I, I've often <laughs> thought that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Alan was a trooper. He signed up for the trip and came on out. And, you know, very hesitant. Uh, 
Um, but you know, even during the trip, I was kind of like, so did he like it? He's being mm-hmm. very quiet. I'm like, are you having a good time? Just, ah, I'm having a good time. <laughs> but now I hear that he's telling all his friends at the bowling alley, like, yeah, I'm going shark diving, man. They're awesome. They're big. And it's not what you think. And, um, it's just, uh, a total difference. Um, and the one thing about Guadalupe is that you actually get to spend so much time with the sharks out there mm. that not only you, do you get to see one, you get to see many. We mm. On this last trip, me and Rodney did, we probably saw 25 to 30 different individuals. Mm. And not only do you see these individuals, but also you get to see that each individual has its own personality. Some are crazy. Some are lazy. <laughs> you know, we have the males. We have the females. They, they, they approach the baits differently. They interact with people differently. Mm. Um, so you really get to experience uh, a lot in, in on these trips and learn a lot about sharks. Yeah, it's so. the you were asking about you know who who are these people that are doing this, and I I think a, half of them are probably you know checking off their bucket list. And it wasn't a bucket list thing for me, but I didn't think I would do this trip more than once. You know, I wanted to go do this and then go do other shark dives. And I thought Guadalupe would be my, just a one-time deal. And after the first trip, I was hooked. And now every time you go back, it's the same experience, but it's a, it's completely different, if that makes any sense. You know, the whole, you know, Absolutely. The, the whole routine is the same thing. You know, it's the, it's the exact same trip every time you fly to San Diego, you bust down, you get on the boat, you cross over you get in the cage, but your moments with the sharks are every, yeah, every shark is completely different. These different personalities. And it's just, I, yeah, I, and you know, like, you know, James has been doing it forever. I've, I've talked with other people that, you know, it was the same thing and they've been 15, 20 times now. Wow. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, uh, it's great that our customers there, you know, they come that first year bucket list. They think it's Jaws. <laughs> it's a Jaws movie uh, that they're going to relive, and um, and the next year they're all like the first ones to sign up. And I have customers who have gone with me eighteen years in a row, and hmm. not only one. I, I have there's a group of thirty that have gone eighteen years in a row hmm. every year, sometimes multiple times a year. Um, it's just uh, you become a sharkaholic, and it becomes an addiction mm-hmm. where you got to go get your fix. So I'm curious, uh, you used the word, I believe you did, um, a little while ago. Why do sharks need advocates? Well, 70 million sharks a year are killed um, for shark fin soup, for Mm. squalamine, which is uh, used in cosmetics. uh, What is it called? Squalene. It's actually squalene. And it's used in cosmetics. Um, People during the pre-COVID, uh, or not pre-COVID, but during COVID when they started coming out with the vaccine, uh, squalene is, uh, is, was scared because everybody's like, oh, well, we're going to see a lot of sharks mm-hmm. get died because, because of the vaccine, because the vaccine needs squalene to be a transfer agent in the chemicals to bring the vaccine into the body. Hmm. So, and um, that's, and that's the only source for, is from sharks, correct? Uh, well, uh, it is one source. Um, now you can use almond oil and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, different products uh, and synthetic products. Um, well, not synthetic. Natural products. Um, there's a company here in the Bay Area that 
that was a forefront for that. So all the all the vaccines that we have that are uh, 16 out of the 20 vaccines that are out there worldwide are using a natural vegan uh, um, carrier for the vaccines. But uh, yeah, sharks are just killed. Um, we're gonna, we're on, we're in this mass extinction right now as mm. we're living where mm. just animals in general are losing, losing areas to live, uh, pollution, water quality, uh, climate change is just, um, decimating them. So we do need to protect these sharks, um, and all the wildlife that we're losing, uh, quickly before we lose it. Well, and what you do is a great way to personalize something that seems quite abstract, you know, the, the Jaws shark and to, here comes Sally, the one with a really good personality, <laughs> you know, the individualization, the personalization, the, uh, the risk involved to them. That's, that's quite a service. Um, yeah. Offering, I mean, as well as a good time. So you, you can't protect something if you don't understand it, mm -hmm. you don't know mm -hmm. it. So by introducing these people, they get a passion and they, they're asking, you know, what can we do? Mm -hmm. or, or, or sometimes they have no idea that the sharks are endangered mm -hmm. um, and losing habitat and uh, the things that the everyday things that we do do matter uh, at a worldwide level. Uh, the pollution that we cause individually. So it all matters. Was have you, have you ever had any experience with, you know, like, these, because uh, I've all, I've always said that you know th these fishermen that are going out, you know they they want that trophy shot, mm. you know they want to catch the shark and they want to hold they want that picture with them holding the mouth open, mm -hmm. and I've always said you know man up and get in the water with them if you want that photo, <laughs> and is, you know have you ever had any of those you know those guys that have actually. You know that yeah, were that we, were catching had, sharks, and they they got in the water with them, and then changed their minds. Or yeah, no, I've I've had uh, several people. Um, uh, I know not just sharks, but I know a lot of guys who are uh, spear fishermen, and spear fishermen by far are you know if you by taking a, by taking an animal on a single breath using uh, a, a single spear is probably deep if you're going to take an animal probably one of the best ways to take an animal you you, you kill it yourself you process yourself and you eat it for you and your family mm -hmm. that's probably one of the best way um such as someone going uh, and hunting an animal and then consuming it themselves rather than you know going out and just killing something um so but i've known several uh people i know i i know who have stopped taking uh animals uh, fish and sharks and now just photograph them yeah. um they think it's uh, more of a challenge to get a, a photograph under the water rather than killing the animal so we've had these i've had these people um in many aspects of my life just from teaching scuba to taking people on these trips you see uh they see an appreciation for these animals and and they change their ways so yeah, I'm, I, I'm thinking we're making a difference, you know, one person at a time. And that one person, if they can change one person and we get that little domino effect, it, mm -hmm. it'll all help. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's yeah. I, I I don't think you know every so many people have this because you were talking about Jaws earlier, you know, and they've got this fear of sharks because of that, uh, you know, one reason. And most people don't realize the you know the necessity for sharks in the ocean. You know, who who was it? The quote that you know the only thing that scares me is a, is an ocean without sharks. Mm. And it's, right. you know, we, you know, every, everything's got its place. And if, you know, if we lose sharks, you know, then the next thing takes over and then everything gets out of balance and yeah, yeah it just. Is there something specific um, either y'all could talk to or any of the things specific that they do that if they weren't there, we'd begin to notice it and well, be sharks are designed. Sharks are designed to take care of the the sick and the diseased, like any top predator, mm. you know, um, whether it's a lion uh, or whether the shark, uh, you know, sharks are scavengers. They, if there's a dead whale, they'll consume it and, you know, and they'll have a byproduct that will keep on feeding. Uh, if there's a sick animal, uh, they'll get rid of that sick animal so it doesn't reproduce. Uh, they take, you know, they take out the slow. Um, and the ones that are sick. So by, by, uh, naturally taking out, um, these sick or injured or diseased animals, they're keeping the health of the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's the whole, uh, cycle of life, um, that we need, uh, that we, uh, we don't have as humans. That's for sure. So sharks are important. Um, and there's a lot you can personally do for them uh, to help them out, you know. Um, you know, just be aware, you know, don't feed, you know, don't eat shark fin soup. Um, when you're buying cosmetics, make sure it's it's vegan-based. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, be aware of the word organic because you can have products of sharks in organic cosmetics. So... Read well, the read the fine print, people. Yeah, you know, and what are you know, what are some of the other names that are you know yeah, disguised is, as? This is important. Yeah, yeah, you because know, there's there uh, in it dogfish or what are some of the others that are put on there that are actually shark products? Yeah, uh, squalene. Uh, the, the squalene is is the one of them is the biggest one because it's used in cosmetics and liver the liver oil, the shark cartilage um, that you buy at Costco. Those little pills. Oh yeah. Uh, you know those. Uh, you got to read the fine print. I think Costco's changed theirs finally, but um, one of the places you can go, uh, my, my friend Shark Stewards uh, has a whole list on their website. Mm. We can maybe you guys can link to mm-hmm. um, and uh, promote. Um, and uh, just be aware of, you know, read the fine print on, you know, on anything. If you can't read what, what you're eating, you maybe want to not eat it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and it's really helpful to have that translated, you know, all that fine print and these words. If I had come across that on the label, I wouldn't know that that was related to a shark. So I think this, this is a really important message to get out. It's not something I would ever think about relating sharks to cosmetics. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, um you know, the cheaper cosmetics are the ones that get it. L'Oreal uh, changed, had a big campaign a few years ago saying that they're not going to use those uh, um, 
they're going to use uh, a vegan based product from now mm. on. So that was really good. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, but yeah, you know, sharkstewards.org has, uh, it's a great place to um, educate yourself about uh, uh, the plight of sharks. And, um, and if you want to help out, there's a hundred different ways they have on their website where you can help sharks. Oh, that's great. And we'll definitely put that on our webpage. Yeah. So anybody that's interested will be able to find that, uh, that link. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, so, I mean, um, but yeah, sharks are important. They're, they're just beautiful creatures and I love spending time with them, being in mm-hmm. the water with them and just, uh, bringing people out to see them. Um, you know, and other than the cage, when you're free, free diving with them, you know, that, that we, we use cages for the great whites, but, uh, all the other animals, the tigers, the bulls, uh, the hammerheads, you know, there's no cages. Sometimes we're just diving out our own, uh, on a great trip, um, mm. and have these animals swimming around us by the hundreds. Mm. So, so yeah, you, it sounds like you just do this for fun as well yeah. as, <laughs> as well as you have your business. That's wonderful. <laughs> I try, I try, I try, I try to have as much fun as I can. So, yeah, I, about. I guess I'm sure it was the, the first Guadalupe trip where I, I learned about Tiger Beach and, you know, my, my first shark experience was in a cage and then I'm hearing about Tiger Beach and I'm, I guess I was assuming that's all cage diving too. And then I learned that you're, you're out in, in the open with these sharks and the stories are being told and I'm going, I I gotta do this. (laughs) That's our (laughs) Rodney. But yeah, and I remember that first trip out there. Mm -hmm. I was just, oh my, I was so nervous because the the way it's described is, you know, like Tiger Beach out in the Bahamas, it's average, you know, 25 to 30 foot dive. So you just, you weigh down heavily and you just go straight to the bottom and you sit there and they they circle Mm -hmm. around you. But when you get there, the first part is the lemon sharks. They come up and they're on the surface and there's, there can be 30 of them. And you just kind of roll off the boat into these <laughs> sharks <laughs> and you've got to get below them and get down to get mm. down to the tigers. And mm. I'm going, wait, you got to do what? <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, and you do, you pull up and that boat's just circled by sharks. Mm. But you know, the lemons are, you know, as long as you, you know, you follow protocol, you do your, all your safety stuff, you know, you're, you're going to be fine and you know, don't go sticking your hand in their mouth. And, but you know, they're, they're not aggressive sharks. They're just, they're just big fish. So James, is that part of what you do? You train people? Do they have to go through a, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So a video um, or, <laughs> or something about do's and don'ts. I think that's yeah, so, very helpful. Yeah. So, um, you know, Guadalupe, because you're in a cage, mm-hmm. we, it's, it's a, it's a very short brief. Uh, it's a brief briefing. Yeah. It's literally <laughs> just brief. a few minutes. Um, but uh, we do have pre-dive briefings going mm-hmm. over all the aspects of what mm-hmm. to expect. Even before even you get there, I'm on the phone talking to somebody, mm-hmm. you know, and making sure that this is, um, you know, this is where they want to be when they actually get there, you know, mm-hmm. what their experience is. I don't want to, there, there are places I go to, um, uh, you know, these islands that are very remote. Mm-hmm. I go to places like Mapello and Cocos, which uh, Mapello is 360 miles offshore. It's an mm-hmm. island in, that's part of Colombia, 300 miles offshore. And it's literally a rock. 
and I'm, I'm taking 20 people out with me and, you know, I need to know that they do have some, some level of, mm -hmm. uh, advanced, um, skills for diving. And, you know, we're, and we're diving with literally hundreds of sharks. Um, mm. you know, are they, if, are they going to come after you? No, but there are, you know, there are other situations. Mm. Tiger beach is, is by itself. It's one of the easiest dives in the world, but it's not the dive that's going to hurt you. It's just not following protocol, um, with these, uh, big tiger sharks. I've had dives there where we've had 15, 20 tiger sharks that are anywhere from seven to 15, 16 feet. And you literally cannot see someone next to you who's five feet away because there's a wall of sharks between you and them. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the 15, 20 tigers is uh, on top of the 30 to 50 lemon sharks, and nurse <laughs> sharks and, and, wow. and reef sharks. Uh, so it can be very intimidating. But for me, I'm just like, I tend to, I tend to, smile so much my mask no longer fits because I'm, I'm just giggling underwater with mm. happiness and anticipation of a, of a great dive. So Rodney um, and I guess James too since you're a photographer I guess you get used to something like that but how do you have the presence of mind to do what you have to do as a photographer when you're in that situation that James just described? What's that like? Well, it, you you have to know your camera very well. Uh, yes, no fiddling yes. with the aperture it, when you're yeah, there. there. Yeah, there's <laughs> no you know we call it chimping when you're mm. you know looking at the back of your camera and photos <laughs> and yeah you you save that for the boat. But um, yeah, you 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 have to know you have to know your camera because you do, yeah you do have to pay attention and that's the one thing they say is you know keep eye contact with the sharks because mm. as long as you, well, keep you do eye, keep eye contact. yeah as long as you keep eye contact you know. It, I guess it's they, you know, I don't know if it's a necessarily see you as a predator, but they don't, you know, because they don't it, see it, you it, as food. It, yeah. Oh. And, <laughs> and it's it, as long as you're making because they they are, you know, if they when they do go after their prey, they're opportunistic and they're waiting for a moment. Oh. So if they say you looking at him, they're going, oh, he's paying attention. Mm -hmm. So I can't get him. So, yeah. So you you've got to keep, you know keep your wherewithal and keep your eye contact. And so, but if you've yeah, got 30 sharks, I mean, well, how does that work? <laughs> you're, you're down with multiple divers and oh, okay. everybody's got everybody's sure. back. Okay. And so, hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, leading these trips when I'm out there, Tiger beach and I'm the one, I have my camera in one hand and I have a box of fish or a fish in the other. Hmm. And, uh, it's kind of like a, being a matador where my mm -hmm. camera is my cape uh, and the, the fish is the sword, but I'm actually, instead of using the sword to hurt, I'm using the fish to feed and using the camera to push the shark away. And you're just twirling around there. And, and for photos, you know, I have, I know my camera so well where I have the vision of what I want. I can just, I can just, I can focus it just by mm -hmm. pointing the camera, it's just a, a, a pretty much my camera comes a point and shoot, and I'm just rattling off photos as fast as I can. And mm. uh, you know, you come out because the dives are so shallow. You typically come out of the water because your battery and your camera's cut, got dead, or your 128 gigabyte memory card is full. Are <laughs> you you suck your tank dry, and <laughs> you you go get another one, change the card, and go back down because you're only in thirty foot of water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, 
But, so uh, was on on these trips something else that you were we were talking about you've you've had some pretty cool encounters with some people that you've had the opportunity to to take out what are give us give us one some or one or two of your yeah your so uh uh robert rodriguez uh the film uh producer director local uh, guy came out yeah and uh oh, this was years ago like I don't know, 2006, seven, but he came out, uh, wanted to do a special project film with a big giant 3d camera that, uh, the dome port on this camera was 14 inches. Um, and, uh, it was right in the middle of our season. So we, uh, decided to, uh, we didn't have a boat available. So we decided to charter a boat and go out there and make a new cage for Robert. Um, and this new cage was just spectacular. Uh, the cage, we called it the cinema cage. So the, so Robert and the photographer mm. could shoot this giant 200 pound camera from the hip Wow! and swing it around <laughs> like a Gatling gun. Oh my goodness. And, um, <clears throat> so the cage had no front or back or sides. It had a top and a bottom. How is that a cage? Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It was also dubbed as from Robert, the, uh, the, the swim through cage, even wow. though a shark never actually swam through it. Mm. It was, uh, the front window and front and back window were eight feet by five feet. Um, and, uh, it was, it was fabulous cause we were just down there. And wow. so we were, we went down there. It was for the, uh, shark boy lava girl um hmm. uh movie that he did um and he wanted to digitize uh, the sharks uh for his son's uh son's script hmm. uh, that movie hmm. so we had a really good time there um so and he was a great guy uh so how this was this was in guadalupe or where yeah, yeah. Guadalupe. so hmm. how how deep were y'all when on these so on this one um we had to jump off the back of the boat and swim down to the cage, down to 40 feet, down to the cage. And, uh, that was fun. So I'd be at the back of the swim platform. I'd look around going, okay, there's a shark over there and there's a shark over there. Look, oh, okay. There's a shark over there. So they and could, they couldn't would, raise this one up to, to go down. In, no, or it was a, no, we didn't have, we didn't have a crane on the boat. Wow. So we actually, that's why we made it so, 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 Thrilling. So minimal. Because <laughs> <laughs> we had to actually hand lift it out of the water. So the cage weighed like, you know, like hundred pounds or so. But, um, so we had it, we, we had it roped down under uh, 40 feet below and I jump in the water, look around like, okay, all right, here we go. There's no sharks. And it was like crossing the busy freeway. Hmm. You look left, yeah. you look right, wow. you look up, look down, like, okay, no one's crossing. You wait for the shark to pass and then you swim on his tail and all the way down to 40 wow. feet. And I'd, I'd escort Robert down and then I'd come back up and then escort uh, uh, the, the two cameramen down. And we, uh, one cameraman down, and we'd be, the three of us would be down there with the sharks swimming around us. And at one point, we had one of the best days ever there. I, we, we had mm. like nine sharks uh, mm. up close and personal. And it was, it was interesting because the the dome port on the camera being this 14 inch dome lens uh the sharks did not like it mm. the sharks thought it was like somebody looking at them and when mm. they would look at the camera they would actually turn away uh so we actually had to point the camera down and away from the sharks and actually had to look down and away from the sharks and then when the sharks came up close we had to keep looking down but look at the top of our mask 
and then point the camera up at them so that they wouldn't get spooked by the big camera. No, you don't want to spook them. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we wanted we wanted them up close. And, yeah. And, it was wow. it was a it was a fun trip. It was a really fun trip. So is so, is Robert a diver? Did he have yeah, to go get certified for all this? Or uh, he was a diver. Uh, he is a yeah. diver, so uh, he was very comfortable in the water. And um, so we, did, we need to get him on another well. trip then. So <laughs> yeah, I can see yeah. Rodney's little little wheels turning <laughs> yeah. in his head. <laughs> yeah, if he's a local guy, tell him to come on the trip next year with us. Mm. So along with anybody listening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I've taken out, uh, I've done a lot of private yacht tours with like Paul Allen of Microsoft. Um, and those are fun. Took his, uh, took his family out, uh, to see great whites at the Farallons in uh, Guadalupe. Um, and, uh, um, yeah, but everybody's just the same. You get out there, everybody's like, "Oh my God, this thing's huge!" You know, <laughs> and, uh, and I, you know, oh, you know I, who, who's your welder? On the, in the, you can see them looking at the cage. And they're, the, yeah, the gears working inside their heads for the first time. Everybody's thinking about what's going on, and and uh, but it doesn't matter who you are. Um, mm. You know, you have that that thought process going through, and then. And then being underwater and seeing them with that huge smile on their face yeah. when the sharks come by, it's just, it's great. You probably it's had great. a lot of people you had to sign a non-disclosure with yeah. <laughs> you took out. We respect that. Yeah, we yeah, won't pry it out of you. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, what in the world comes next for James Mosquito? I mean, you know, we had a wonderful episode with you about that fantastic whale story, which is legendary in the wildlife world and uh, in other places. And now hearing about all the sharks and both the business and the personal side of it, um, what else is, is left to conquer or to explore or to enjoy? Or um, where do you go after you've done Great Whites? Orcas. The ultimate predator in the ocean is the orca. And uh, hmm. I've been chasing orcas hmm. for almost as long as I've been chasing Great Whites. Hmm. Uh, here in Monterey, in Cal- Northern California, uh, we have orcas on a regular, very regular basis, mm. um, and um, and almost every day uh, in March, April, and May, mid-May, uh, and they the orcas come here to um, hunt the gray whales. Mm. And while we always don't get to see them uh, capture the gray whales, uh, typically the calves, they are out here uh, doing what orcas do. And uh, when you're at SeaWorld, that's not a true orca. That's uh, that's not what orcas do in the wild. Orcas, they're just amazing predators. Uh, they they hunt in packs, and they're just they're they're beautiful animals. Um, and here offshore uh, in California, uh, we have the uh, the brigs, the transients that feed on the mammals. So those are fun to watch. But uh, in May, we're going to be swimming with orcas. That was my question. I mean, <clears throat> I was going to. Do you actually swim with these skilled predators? I haven't swam with an orca. I've been up close. I've had them next to my boat. I've almost reached out and touched one. Mm. Um, but uh, I've never had an opportunity to uh, swim with them. So, so um, this will be your gonna, first? This will be my first, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, 
Ronnie's over come, there and he's just salivating. <laughs> he I'm, wants I'm to come. Close. I'm I'm going. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Rodney's that's, on the list. We're going and we're gonna have a great yeah. time. What uh, what do you have to do differently? Um, or maybe you only know that nine side, I don't know, but what do you do differently when thinking about actually swimming with orcas and with great whites and some of these other fantastic creatures? Well, on these trips, um, especially on these exploratory trips, you know, I'm taking a select, select number of people. Mm. Uh, but me, myself, you know, when I'm jumping in, whether without a cage and we're during some of these weird film projects we've done over the years, uh, we've had to do stuff, uh, outside the cage. Mm. And I, I've been outside the cage with, you know, nine great whites swimming around mm. that I could see and probably a dozen around the boat easily. And, um, and Andre Hartman, uh, who's a big shark, white shark diver in South Africa, uh, was with me on one of these trips. And he's all like, you just got to make yourself be big. You got to make yourself <laughs> be the apex predator out there. And that's easy for Andre because Andre is 6'3 and has a wingspan of 6'7. <laughs> and he's just this big, lanky guy with a, you know, his great personality. But his person, his personality is almost as big as him, it's bigger than him. But he's wow. just a big guy, six yeah. something, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm a short guy. I'm 5'7. So you know? how do you make yourself big? You stick with Andre? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, sometimes it's just the attitude. You just, oh, you know, oh, I go love this you, metaphor. You, yeah, okay. You, you got you to gotta be the alpha. And, mm. you know, and why I've been in situations where my body is screaming, what are you doing? Okay. Mm. You know, my mind's just going, you know, be the alpha, be the alpha. And, you know, if uh, one of the documentaries that came out this year um, – with uh, Valerie Taylor, Taylor, uh, Taylor was great. Uh, they were describing uh, one of their first times with oceanic white tips, how they had to go out there and not show that they were the predator, but show that they were that they were equal to the sharks. Mm. And that's very much what you have to do with these animals. You know, you just got to go out there and be confident. You know, you, the biggest thing I tell people all the time: you, you're out there, you're swimming, and you see a shark. One, it's not the shark you see that's going to be a problem. But if you do see a shark, take a picture of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, take a picture of it. But basically, the rules are when you see an animal, and I think I, I think this goes with most animals, because I've been around grizzlies and brown bears and other large animals also, is one, you don't act like food. You don't run away. You stand your ground. Eye contact is the biggest thing. You stand your ground in the water. We don't look like food. We don't act like food. We don't smell like food. And we don't want to learn that we taste like their food. So we, <laughs> we push them away. And, and like Rodney, I, I have a big camera. I mean, my camera weighs 20 pounds. And um, that's my shield. When the shark comes up, I can just put the camera between me and the shark and bump its nose. Hmm. And... Uh, all is all is good in my life. <laughs> well, those sound like uh, really good words of wisdom <laughs> to conclude with. And I'm I'm sitting here thinking, oh, that's that's good language in business. Or you know, <laughs> don't look like food and stand just, your and ground ju and just stick your camera in their face. And just stick your camera in their face and take a picture. <laughs> wow, these are yeah. these, it's for me. It's exciting to hear about the stories. I'm not quite ready to to get into the cage, but in in all seriousness. Rodney knows I like to kid him about the sharks and, you know, kind of, there were snakes. I don't want to talk about them. 
But I'm making a pledge to both of you that I'm going to stop being facetious and frivolous about sharks, that they are due respect. And uh, like any other relationship, you have to learn how to navigate it and respect it. And and that happens for me by listening to people like you and Rodney um, talk about your encounters with them and what you're doing for hundreds and hundreds uh, of other people who are sharing those experiences with you. So we want yeah, no. to thank you again. I mean, okay, so the next time we have you on, it's going to be after your orca we'll, experience. We'll be talking about orcas <laughs> when, when we have James back. And I do want to remind well, Go ahead. Well, maybe what we should do is have you guys out on the boats here in Monterey. Ooh, and do a remote. And do a remote on the boat with humpback whales, orcas, and gray whales. Oh, Rodney's watching me freak out here. And and, and, and then we can go down down and swim with the orcas. Uh, Me and Rodney will will let you slide on that one, Chick. Okay. Uh, Okay. But, you know, being on the boat is... It's really fun being out there with the whales and the wildlife... Well, Rodney, we're always looking to kick this up a notch, so let's let's, let's put go. let's when, put it that in the plan. <laughs> so yeah, you so guys come March. on out, March, April, and we can have a remote on the boat and just have a great time. And I can show uh-huh. you, I'll show you all the fun stuff: those little otters and the seals and oh, the sea lions. See that now? Now you're encouraging me. I like that. So <laughs> those, those those otters are mean. They're one of the meanest things. Really? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, well, that blows another fantasy. <laughs> the, the Pomeranians of the ocean. <laughs> Those teeth, man. Those teeth. Oh, well, that's a very intriguing offer, and I'd like to file that one away, <clears throat> Rodney. you got a few months to think about it. I have so. a few months to think about it. Um, and also, James, your website is oceansafaris, all one word, dot com. Oceansafaris.com, plural. We can oh, yes. find, plural, and we can find you on Facebook uh, at Ocean Safaris, and I'd encourage any of our listeners, all of our listeners, to do that because it's. Uh, you'll also hear and see the wonderful whale stories and his link to actually the literature of our time with this fantastic story that he is at the, the center of which he was at the center. Um, so we want to thank you again. Oh, and also a reminder to go back into our archives for episode fifteen to hear this fabulous story about saving this whale and being a part of a team that did this extraordinary thing. So we want to thank you, James. You're, um, you're always a delight to have on, and your enthusiasm and your joyfulness around all of this is absolutely contagious. And I can see why Rodney picked you years ago and insists that um, it's been longer than five years <laughs> that you all have known each well, other. We'll go with seven. Let's go with seven. That's a good number. <laughs> yeah. So we also want to thank, um, as we wrap this up, our senior, senior executive producer and engineer, Mr. Brocklin Thomas, who was working frantically minutes before we started today, as he always does. Um, We really appreciate uh, the work that that Brock does and contributes in actually making this podcast (laughs) a reality. We want to thank Rupert and Eve Design who has been very generous around um, sharing some of their fabulous world-renowned equipment with us as we work our way through learning how to do this. And we'd also like to thank Donovan Frankenreiter, who so generously provides our intro and our outro music. We also want to thank our hometown radio station, Wimberley Valley Radio, which is KWVH. You can find it at 94.3 or wimberleyvalleyradio.org because they also broadcast Passports and Poets. 
You can hear the original broadcast on Wednesdays from 3 to 4 Central Time. And for several weeks afterwards, you can go into their archives. So we're delighted to have another partner in um, getting the word out about these fabulous people and adventures that we get to, to actually engage with. And most of all, we want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us again. We love your comments and your feedback, so please feel free to share that either on our website or on the sites wherever you are listening to this podcast. So until next time, thanks for joining us, and we look forward to being with you again. Mm-hmm.